Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Well, good morning. Man, I gotta tell you, I love watching those uh, images of people declaring their faith in baptism. Wasn't that good? Man. I gotta tell you, we got down to the beach and we filled up both parking lots. Sun started coming out. I put some sunscreen on. Man, hour and a half in the water. It was the best hour and a half of the week, man. It was so, so good. So, yeah, you can clap again. It's all good. Yeah. I, uh, you, don't get, you don't get to see that very often. It's worthy of applause. In fact, um, my wife was at the gym the other day and she ran into someone uh, and she was telling her about the baptism. And this, uh, her, her friend lives uh, across the street on the other side of Bourne's Pond. And she said, oh, I heard all the cheering and that explains it. I'm like, well, that's a pretty good, pretty good witness. So we've been talking about four questions uh, for a better you. And the reason we're doing that is that very often in life, questions are better than lessons. They allow us to become a part of the discovery process. Questions are better than lessons. So today, I want to talk about a question, and I think of all four, it may be the one that is most critical, most, most important, most useful, because it's the way that we can answer some of the most difficult questions in life. Some of the most difficult circumstances where we're just like, what do I do? And those situations that just feel hopelessly complex, where you're between a rock and a hard place, what do I do? And I don't know if you've noticed it, but here's what I've noticed. Almost all of the hardest questions and hardest situations in my life have to do with people. I mean, it's rare that there's not people involved. There's always, there's always, there's always a tension between this one and this one, and what do I do, and so I want to offer a question that helps you in those most difficult places. Like, what, what do we do when... Well, let's make it practical. What do you do when your ex, who is unfaithful to you, is coming to the party you're about to go to? Man, what do you do? What do you do when you're... Your, your Christian friend has started to deconstruct some of what you used to share in belief, and now they're making what seems like unbiblical choices. I mean, what do you do? What do you do if, you, what do you do if your, your roommate is cheating? And you know it. <sighs> or let's get even, let, let's get even more complicated, what do you do with the person in your life who you previously trusted and has betrayed you and they won't own it? Whew. Here's one even harder. What do you do with the neighbor whose car has all the wrong bumper stickers? <laughs> 
I spent the whole week carefully wording that so that it could apply to everybody. Man, what do you do when they just want to talk? Politics and issues. Whew. What do we do indeed? Well, it turns out that these kind of questions are why people like Jesus. See, here's something I've discovered just over 30 plus years of doing this thing. There are a lot of people who don't like the church. There are a lot of people who don't like Christians or Christianity who oddly like Jesus. They, they don't like the church. They don't like Christians. They don't even like Christianity. But, but Jesus holds a, a soft spot in their heart. Hmm. I, I think it's because of this single issue. It was who Jesus was and how he came into the world. In fact, there's one passage in John chapter 1. If you've got a Bible and you're following along, John chapter 1 is a good place to go. If you're going along the Bible app and if you don't own a Bible and you've never opened a Bible, we're going to put it on the screen and you can just follow along. But John chapter 1 tells us a little bit of the story. It, it begins, it doesn't begin like some of the biographies of Jesus do with his birth. It begins John telling us what his birth meant. And in verse 14, it says this, it says the word, and the word here is John's uh, analogy. It's his illustration of Jesus. It says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, watch this, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Now, depending on what translation you're, you're reading from, it, it, it may say full of unfailing love and truth. I love that illustration. I love that, that wording, full of grace, full of unfailing love and truth. In fact, a few verses later, it says, for the law, verse 17, was given through Moses. So the story before Jesus was the law it was the covenant, it was the rules. And grace and truth, unfailing love and truth came through Jesus. He was full of unfailing love and truth, full of grace and truth, full of love and truth, love and truth, love and truth. And truth, and therein lies one of the most powerful questions you can ask yourself. Not other people. This is, this is for you. And here it is. What is loving and true? What is the loving and true thing to do? What is loving and true. 
Loving and true. Now, if you, if you work through that, here's what you're going to find, that those, those two things in life often feel like they're in tension. We, what is the true and right and righteous and good thing to do, to say, to hold on to, and what is loving? And it often feels like these things, what is loving and what is true, are in tension with one another. And I want to say that is true. They are in tension with one another. And Jesus was full of both. And this is what people love about him. He was full of unfailing love and full of truth. And what that looks like for us as a people who are constantly coming back to this question, what is loving and true? And we don't try and get rid. See, we think of tension as something to get rid of. Like there's a tension in my life, get rid of it. I don't want any tensions in my life. I just want to be, I want to be tension free. But there are some things in life that only work well when they're held in tension. That's what they're supposed to be. Loving and true. What is loving and true? And these things are held in tension. Let me, let me show you how that works. Some things, I'm going to steal Al's guitar here. I've always wanted to do this. You, you just, I mean, when you stand like this, it feels kind of kind of cool, doesn't it? I mean, I feel like Johnny Cash. I should have worn black today. See, what, what makes this work is these, these, these strings are held in, in tension. Right? There's, there's two ends to it. In fact, if you... If you listen and watch sometimes, they'll, uh, the musicians will come out and they'll, they'll adjust the tension to get it, to get it right because, because if it's out of tension, Al's going to come out and try and play this thing later and it's going to be a mess. <laughs> Forgive me, Al. If it's, if it's out of tension, it doesn't, it doesn't make good music. Does that make sense? Man, in our lives, love and truth only work when they're held in tension. Jesus was full of, that's a good way of saying, he had the perfect tension between love and truth. And in our lives, the music is most beautiful when we hold what's loving and what's true intention. Because love without truth is selfish. And truth without love is useless. See, love without truth is just you're just taking the path of least resistance. You're just going with the flow. Go along to get along. But truth without love, you might as well not say anything. But Jesus came and he was full of love and truth. That's what we loved about him. That's what we loved when Jesus went to the house full of notorious sinners we know that because that's what his critics said. Or when he met the woman who had been caught 
in adultery. And he said, where are your accusers? And he protected her. And then he sent her off to live a new life full of love and truth. Or when Peter viciously denies him. And days later, Jesus restores him. Or when the disciples couldn't stand by Jesus, but Jesus stands by them. Full of love and truth. And maybe, maybe most famously of all, when he's hanging on a cross, and he looks out over that angry mob, and he says those famous words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Full of love and truth. There's another story, and, and it's a good illustration of the power of love and truth held together in the person of Jesus, and I think it gives us a little bit of a window into what it looks like in our lives. If you grew up in Sunday school, you may remember the story of Zacchaeus. Let me, let me read it to you. It's, it's short, and it reads well. Luke chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich, but he was not very popular. It says he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Kids love this part. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree, a sycamore fig tree behind the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Verse 5, Jesus came by and he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name, Zacchaeus! Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. <laughs> this guy was the most hated villain in town. He was also rich, Come on, Jesus, what are you doing showing favoritism? <laughs> this guy? Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but, but the people were displeased. He had gone to the, uh, be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Mark it down, man. When you decide to live your life according to this question, people are going to grumble. Oh, man. They're with the wrong people. Why are they being nice to them? But Jesus was full of grace and truth, and the power is about to be evident. Verse 8, it says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. That doesn't tell us how this came about, but it does tell us what happened. He said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Lord, if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. 
Oof. Full of love and truth indeed. There was something about the person of Jesus who was full of grace and truth, full of what was good and what was right, that challenged people at their deepest level to be what God had called them to be. That's the transforming power of this question in our lives. What is loving and true? What is the loving and true thing to do? What could I do that would be loving? What could I do that would be true and point towards truth? What is loving and true? And often it feels like those things are at odds, but they're a tension that needs to be lived out fully. Let me, let me offer just four thoughts about how this looks in our lives. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, just write this down, because even if it doesn't make sense, it'll come back later. Love, what is loving, what is true? Love goes first and last. At least that's the way it feels. Love often goes first, and it often goes last. It just feels like, man, we're just making a sandwich out of this. We're just, all right, what is, what is loving and true? What is, because goodness. Listen, love is not a strategy to winning. I'm not telling you, oh, if you do this, it will make people like you and you'll get your way. That's not what I'm saying. That's a strategy. It's a way of living. And honestly, it has to go first and last because it doesn't always feel like it's working. A lot of you know that uh, uh, about three years ago, Tammy and I, uh, our family, uh, we got a dog, Ruby. And Ruby has quickly become Tammy's favorite. All of us have been replaced. And I mean, gourmet dog food. I mean, I, I don't even... In fact, <clears throat> Ruby celebrated her third birthday the other day. And I know this because Tammy made her a cake. <laughs> True story. I mean, not frosting, but like, like cake, like it, I don't know, she makes it out of sweet potato and rice and chicken. And I mean, dog just loves it. I, I don't know if she put candles on it or not, but they celebrated. They sang to the dog. This is the most well-loved dog on the planet. And yet... If I leave the front door open, she will run like she's breaking out of Alcatraz. <laughs> Gone! Just, I mean, she's like a, like a three-year-old just out the front door, halfway down the street before she looks to see if we've noticed, and then she runs more. This is my childhood trauma playing out. I had a dog when I was a child, and I feel that's why I never had a dog. 28 years of marriage, and here I am. I'm stuck again with a dog who loves to run. Did we not love you enough? We gave you everything. Love usually goes first and last. And by the way, it also is powerful. And she usually comes back because she knows this is a place where she's loved. Uh, there's a, a few other things that go along with this and um, this is one that's important 
Truth requires trust. Truth requires trust. If, if you want to speak something truthful and sometimes difficult into somebody's life, it requires trust. And if you don't have trust and you're not willing to earn trust, my guess is that God's not looking to use you to bring truth into that person's life. Because truth requires some kind of trust. But here's something else. If, if you have someone in your life that trusts you, that believes in you, even a little bit, you have a responsibility to them. What is loving and what is true. Because that trust has been placed there and as hard as it is, that trust comes with a responsibility to truth. What is loving and what is true? Here's something else. I'm going to put this in the first person. You don't have to accept my truth to receive my love. Let me just say that again. You don't have to accept, agree, embrace, follow the truth that I'm trying to bring to you in order to receive my love. I'm just, I'm just saying this because we, 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 have, a, we have a tendency to, 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 to segregate the world into people we agree with and people we don't agree with. And, and there's something deep within us that wants to withhold love and affection and generosity from people who disagree with us, who walk away from us, who struggle with us. But I just want to encourage you that these questions are meant to guide us back. What is loving and what is true? And you don't have to accept what is true in order for me to love you. But this is not, this is not the way of the world. It's not. Our world is built along lines of shunning. Let me do a quick survey. This is going to seem like whiplash, but I'm going somewhere with this. All right. How many of you, it's a hot dog survey, so just, this is not serious. How many of you believe you're, you're a hot dog, this is a hand raise. I'm going I'm to ask two questions. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Raise your hand. It's a sandwich. It is definitely a sandwich. Come on, raise your hand. Sandwich people, sandwich people, sandwich people. How many people say hot dog, not a sandwich? Not at, oh, wow. I wondered what the not a sandwich the not a sandwich people won so it turns out researchers actually asked this question this simple little question is a hot dog a sandwich and they got people divided up just like we just did you right you know the sandwich people and the not sandwich the not sandwich people are they're winning they feel very very confident right now and I'm not going to take a position don't worry I won't get political on you <laughs> 
So then they did something like, they did this. They said, okay, we're going to give you a choice. You got, you got to follow the logic here. We will give you and everybody who agrees with you one dollar. And we'll give everyone who disagreed with you two dollars. Mm. Or we will give let me make sure I'm getting it right here. I think I got my illustration wrong. That's not good. That's not good. All right, all right, I got it wrong. All right, yeah, they, they did that. This is very complicated. That's why I'm not a scientist, folks. I became a pastor. Some of the scientists in the rooms were like, this guy is botching this thing completely. No, they, they actually, they offered him two things. They said, we'll give you, everybody, who, you and everyone who agrees with you $3, but everyone who disagrees with you gets $4. Or, if you rather, we'll give you $2. And everyone who agrees with you $2, but the people who disagree with you only get a dollar. So you'll get less money, but the people who disagree with you get way, way less. Which do you prefer? 70% of people took less money just to make the people they disagreed with get even more less. Okay, I'll take less money because they get even less. Man. I read that. Didn't surprise me in a bit. I was like, 100%. I think I would have done the same thing. You hot dog sandwich people. <laughs> Come on. We have to resist this, this urge to shun and restrict our love from people who disagree with us. And that's what this question helps to do. It, it, it brings us back to, to the character and nature of Jesus. What is loving and true? And it asks us to live in that tension. And here's why it does it. Because, because love is the most powerful thing of all. This is why Jesus said... Love your neighbor as yourself. And he wasn't done. Love your enemy. Those people who are taking advantage of you. Love them. What is loving and true? Because we haven't always, and here's my guess, you've got a relationship in your life, a friendship, a, a co-worker, a, you've got some place in your life where that tune has been played poorly. The strings are just not in tension and, and it feels broken. But here's what scripture tells us. Jesus came and he was full, full of unfailing love and truth. 
And in that, he gave us a picture of how to navigate the most difficult questions and relationships of all. What is loving? And what is true? Would you bow with me? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I... I don't know the situation that you're, you're in, that you're struggling with, just, just feels hopeless or broken or lost. Maybe it's filled your life with sadness and disappointment. And maybe the best you could muster was just I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to avoid it. Avoid them. But Jesus, Jesus had a different way. And one way to think about it is to ask yourself the question, What is loving and true? What is loving and true? Father, we want to be like you. That's what this is all this is all about. We followed after you. We, we found in you a Savior that gave us new life. And and we believe in you, but we find this to be so hard. So help us. Help us to live in that tension between what is loving and true. Help those around us who maybe have the hardest time with us to experience something that is so unusual. full of unfailing love and truth. Help us to play this song well. We know the world is watching. In Jesus' name we pray.